Bible podcast. We hope you'll enjoy this message by Pastor Joey Bonifacio. This is a series that we started, kicked off by Pastor Josh last week, starting with Matthew chapter 1, and continues this week to Matthew chapter 2, all the way to chapter 5. Reading out of Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Notice the words King Herod. This is about a king, and it's contrasted to another king. Notice where it says, and asked, where is the one, this is the Magi, arriving in Jerusalem and asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the, and, and, and when it rose and have come to worship him. This is a contrast about the story of two kings. And this is one where they came to worship him. And I've entitled this message, The Clash of Two Kingdoms, beginning with the contrast of two kings. Jesus, as we know, this whole series is all about Jesus, and in this case, Herod. Further on, it says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, when King Herod, the king, the other king, heard that he, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. The clash of two kingdoms embodied and contrasted in two kings. The starting point, my first point is first, the two kings are one is legitimate and the other one is illegitimate. We saw last week as Pastor Joshua unfolded for us the genealogy of Jesus. A Jesus comes from a long line of Jewish royalty speaking about the reality that he is the legitimate king while here Herod is the illegitimate king. Truth of the matter is, uh, Herod is not even a Jew. He's actually an Edomite and he was a polytheist. He didn't even believe in one God. He was a politician. He was a builder, a master engineer and builder of large facilities and he was absolutely ruthless. He would do anything to keep his power. Jesus, uh, he, he, was a, he was the opposite of this man and he was literally just a client king of the Roman Empire. He was a puppet and the Jews did not like him. Jesus on the other hand was the legitimate king while he was the illegitimate king. Further down in Matthew chapter two, verse four, when he, had, when he had called together all of the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law and asked them, where's the Messiah to be born? Now, here we find him calling his, uh, his associates, his leaders, and they said, in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. This is talking about the validation of the legitimacy of Jesus, not just in terms of his genealogy, but here is being validated by no less than the prophets himself. This is a quote, literally, from the words of the prophet Micah, which continues, for out of you will come a ruler. This is speaking about the king who will shepherd my people, Israel. Beyond just Jesus being the king who is legitimate versus the illegitimate king, he was validated while the other guy was basically an invalid puppet of the Roman Empire. Further, he was not just validated by the prophet of, of old, he was validated by some of the magi, the wisest men on earth in the planet at the time. Back in Matthew chapter 2, verse 7, then Herod called the magi secretly because he wanted to find out from them at the exact time the star had appeared. His motives were obviously bad, and as we know, if you know the Christmas story, when he finds out that the Magi fooled him, he murders children in search for the child king. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. 
after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. This is really just the validation, not just of the prophet, but the stars of heaven. Further, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented them with gold, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold representing gifts only for a king. Frankincense representing deity. And finally, myrrh representing a substance to embalm somebody who at one point will be sacrificed for humanity. This is the validation of Jesus. Not just that he was legitimate versus illegitimate, validated versus an invalid king. He was validated by nature, by the stars, no less, by prophets. He was validated by not just the prophets, but by the magi. Finally, the son versus the imposter. Now we step into Matthew chapter 3. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Notice the words John deters him. In other words, he wanted to stop him from doing this, and yet Jesus says we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is saying, let it be so for now, because this is a validation that is more important than all the previous validations. And here it is in found in chap- Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water, and at that moment, heaven literally opened. And he saw the Spirit of God validating him. This is about a spiritual kingdom descending like a dove and alighting on him. Notice where it says, the very voice of the Father says, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There is the complete validation of Jesus. Legitimate versus illegitimate. Validated versus invalid. The Son versus the imposter. Now we step into Matthew chapter 4. Again, this is a topic about knowing Jesus. And here we're talking about Jesus, who is the king of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Notice the words, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now we switch over from just a valid earthly king to someone who is a spiritual king. And notice the words, Tempted by the devil, a spiritual force. Behind Herod is really the spiritual force of the devil. And behind Jesus is ultimately the spiritual kingdom of God, no less himself. Now notice in my second point, the spirit of two kingdoms. First one, we talked about the clash of two kingdoms and two kings. Now we're looking at the spirit that propels both of these kingdoms. Matthew chapter 4 verse 3 says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The tempter, the spirit of the devil, is tempting him to use his power to doubt God's timing. It's all about getting what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. He says, if you can, if you are truly and question the validation of God Himself, questioning the reality that you are the child of God. And if God is really your father, He should give you whatever it is you want. That's basically what the devil was telling him. The ability to get what you want when you want it. The significance of and render illegitimacy or your legitimacy insignificant. Jesus does not fall for the trap. Instead, he understands that the spirit of two kingdoms is 
One is of the flesh, wanting what we want, when we want it, how we want it, where we want it, versus the spirit where Jesus replies and says, it is written, man shall not live on just the flesh or physical bread alone, but on every spiritual word that comes from the mouth of God. It's not about fulfilling what I want. It's not about using my powers to get what I want. This was Herod. He murdered, he manipulated, he sold his soul to the Romans, and even tried to overpower and brutally murder thousands of people because he wanted the power for himself. This is the devil and the spirit of the world. Jesus, on the other hand, said, no, that's not the way this works. And did it not fall for the lie? The father loves me beyond just giving me what I need, and he loves me so much, and I'm so convinced about his love that it's just a matter of time before he provides the food at the right time, in the right quantity, in the right moment, in the right way that he wants to do it, in the fullness of his time. This is the difference between these two kingdoms. One is of the flesh, and the other one is of the spirit. And that's important to know, because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, the devil doesn't stop. And he goes to the next level of his temptation. It says the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the high point of the temple. Here we find if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. Now, let me break this verse down for you a bit so you get a full understanding of how the devil works. Once again, he questions this idea of his validation. And that's just like you and I. We've been validated because we are children of God by virtue of what Jesus did for us. And that's the thing that the devil will keep questioning. Now he says, in order to validate who you are, throw yourself down. And notice where the, where the devil even says, the Bible said it himself that he will command his angels concerning you. And that's tricky. Sometimes we can use the Bible for our own means and we miss out on the very spirit of God. He will con command his angels concerning you and he will lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. In other words, use your powers. Jesus, demonstrate your powers. Show them who you are. This is the kingdom of the world. But Jesus knows that's pride. And the kingdom of the world, uh, the kingdom of God rather, is not about pride. It's about humility. Notice where it says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 7. He replied to him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Humility acknowledges that God does test, not because he needs to know, but because you need to know that he is really your God and that you desire to be humble, humbly submit to him. That's the, the thing. That's the difference between the spirit of the kingdom of God and the spirit of the world. God tests you not just because he's trying to find out if you will pass the test. He's testing you so you will find out genuinely that you love him and that you're humbly submitting to him. The spirit of two kingdoms is flesh versus spirit, pride versus humility. And finally, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, it says, again, the devil took him again. He doesn't stop. He's relentless. And that's why it's important for us to understand this is a spiritual battle that can happen anytime. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And then he said, all this I give to you, said, if you will bow down and worship me. This is the third key to understanding how these two clashes of this kingdom, flesh versus the spirit, pride versus humility, and finally, power versus submission. Will you use the powers that you have in order to get what you want, or will you submit to God himself? This is the key. 
The Bible tells us to not just submit to God, but to submit to one another. This is ultimately the test and the proof of being in the spirit and being humble. Will you be willing to give in to God's ways and God's timing? Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The clash of two kingdoms is a clash of two kings. And the contrast is the, the difference between the spirit and the flesh. Knowing Jesus now steps into Matthew chapter 5. The discussion of not just who this king is, who, uh, how the spirit of the king is, but the manifestation of who and how to live the way Jesus lived. Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And this was the beginning of the teaching. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There it is, it's spirit. And this is about the kingdom of heaven. The word blessed is the word makairos. Literally, that word is not a religious term. Sometimes when we use the word blessed, oh, I'm so blessed. That's not what it means. It actually means you're fortunate. You're lucky. You should be happy. Congratulations. Wow. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Wow. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And that's a wow. It would be the equivalent of saying, wow, you got promoted. Wow, you got the corner office. Wow, you got the girl that's out of your league. Wow, you have a good life. That's really what it means. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Wow, you finally get it. That if you're poor in spirit, that's how you get the kingdom of God. Which brings me to my third and final point. The values of the kingdom of God are new values. While the world is about taking, the new values is about having a poorness of spirit, which means a level of humility. And the more you do that, it's counterintuitive, it's different, the more you arrive of the things and the promises of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, he begins to unpack all of these wows. Blessed are those who mourn. <laughs> he continues to say, wow, you're so fortunate. You're so lucky that when you mourn and you understand the brokenness about you, you will be comforted by no less than God himself. You're lucky and fortunate to even understand that. Blessed are the meek. Wow, you're blessed because you're meek and you're not forceful and you're not pushy for you will inherit the earth. That's congratulations. That's what he's saying. He goes on to say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Wow, you hunger and thirst for the right things for they will be filled. In due time, if you hunger for the things of God, he will bless you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Wow, you've chosen to forgive rather than to be unforgiving. These are not just new values. These are upside down values. These are the values of the kingdom of God. And they are, at the end of the day, everlasting values. The other values of this world will perish. The nice corner office, when you retire or get fired, will be gone. It's contingent on your performance but the values of the kingdom of God are new values, upside down values, everlasting values. Let me summarize this message. The clash of two kingdoms is about legitimacy and being illegitimate. It's about someone who's been validated and someone who's not valid and someone, the son versus the imposter. The clash of the two kingdoms is the clash of a spirit. The issue is really about the spirit. Flesh versus the spirit. Uh, the, the, taking the pride versus uh, humility, and finally power over just the, 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 the submission, right? Submission, being humble before God. 
And finally, the values of God's kingdom are their new values, their upside down values. And lastly, they are everlasting values you can enjoy forever and ever. Join me in a quick word of prayer as we close this service. Pick up a bread and a cup wherever you are and acknowledge the king and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this short message. Bless your people as they partake of bread and cup to be reminded of who you are in their lives. And in your name, Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.